Welcome to Any Given You. This show is about all things college football, and on it you'll hear insights, analysis, discussion, predictions, and stories of any given topic from any given time, past, present, or future. We believe that the stats are great, but the stories are greater. And you should listen if you have a passion for the game and what makes it great. We're going to talk about touchdowns and touched lives. Come with us on a journey that extends beyond the field of play. We will talk wins, losses, and coachable moments learned on the football field and taken to the classroom, workforce, home, and even the battlefield. Division one to division none. Five-star recruits to walk-ons, it doesn't matter. If it's college football, it's worth the story. I'm your host, Michael Megan. I am a current U.S. Army Ranger and a former college football player, and more importantly, a lifelong fan of all things college football. Whether you are a casual fan, a fanatic, a coach, a player, or just a person who loves great stories, then huddle up and commit at any given you. Clemson and South Carolina, two teams that reside in the Palmetto State, South Carolina, only separated by 80 miles, tied together with a very rich tradition and history. If you ask the folks in South Carolina whether or not these two teams can even stand each other, it would be a well-resounding no. And I think that would be the, the one thing that those two fan bases would actually agree on. And it's not like there isn't bigger national rivalries than the rivalry between Clemson and South Carolina comes to mind it would be Ohio State Michigan Oklahoma Texas Notre Dame USC Miami Florida State if you will right I think we can all agree that on a national level those rivalries may be more prolific but to the people the populace that resides in South Carolina and in that that region there it's well understood that that is the biggest and most important rivalry of the year. No matter no matter what, no matter if one of the teams is a national, it doesn't matter if both of these teams are undefeated when they play each other or if both of these teams don't have a win when they play each other. It is the biggest game of the year. And so what fuels this rivalry between Clemson and South Carolina? Is it... Is it the fact that geographically they are only separated by 80 miles, which in college football standards is relatively close? Is it the fact that both of these teams have enjoyed relative dominance over the other? Presently, we have Clemson enjoying a reign of dominance over the Gamecocks on a, on a national level led by Coach Dabo Sweeney. From 2009 through 2013, the Steve Spurrier-led Gamecocks team defeated Clemson five straight years. And the two sides have made no bones about rubbing it in each other's face, for sure. If it's not reigning dominance over each other, is it specific moments? Close losses? Close calls? Was it South Carolina's 1984 victory in Death Valley? With a huge comeback, the missed kick, the hard-fought game that they pulled out? Was it the, the recent drubbings that Clemson has laid upon the Gamecocks over the last several years? I don't know. Is it a moment? Is it a specific moment of ugliness? 
thinking of the 2004 incident between Clemson and South Carolina, the 2004 Clemson-South Carolina football brawl, also known as simply the brawl, was an on-field altercation. It was during uh, a game between the two, obviously. <laughs> took place on November 20th, 2004. The Clemson Tigers at 5-5, five and five, the Gamecocks at 6-4. and four. The Tigers would go on to win the competition 29-7, but that brawl is widely held as the most furious, contentious, biggest football fight of all time. It goes down there. Now, a lot of people would, could make an argument for the, uh, the brawl in the Orange Bowl between Miami and FIU, but it's at least on par with that as far as the level of violence and the disruption that was caused here. And I think for a lot of casual football fans, I think for a lot of casual Clemson, South Carolina fans, they would probably point to that incident as the time when the two fan bases, the two teams, the two cultures separated by only 80 miles, maybe that was the most raucous and unreasonable moment that happened between these two teams. However, to go back, to to really get to the bedrock and sort of explain this rivalry, why it's so heated between these two teams, why they dislike each other so much, and they're so willing, seemingly willing, to fight at the drop of a hat. You have to go back much further than 2004. You have to go back, honestly, it probably start in the 19th century. You see, during the last decade of the 19th century, we're talking mainly 1890s, college football was, was violent. Actually, you know, it wasn't even just college. It was just it was sort of violence in the sport, right? Because it was such a physical sport, such a such a physical contest, and so there was there was widespread violence during this time. Uh, you know, to the point where it was not unheard of to have entire sort of riot brigades of police, if you will, in and around the stadium. Even more so than today. And, you know, obviously in today's games, you can look down on the sidelines and you see police officers, but there were whole precinct brigades at games to break up the squalor and, and, the, uh, and the confrontations that would break out with the, not only the teams, but these, these extremely passionate, raucous crowds. And so when you take this a step further, not only is the game, the physical contest, the struggle, something that would incite the sort of the rivalry, the violence, and, and what have you. But take it a step further in Clemson and South Carolina's case and think about where they are geographically. They're in South Carolina, right? And so deep in the blueprint of a place like South Carolina, deep in the DNA of the people that live there, right, and the time that they're in, these are cantankerous folks. I don't know if you personally know anybody from South Carolina. Okay, now let me just give you a little little caveat side story. My beautiful, lovely wife is from Bennettsville, South Carolina. It's a, it's a little stretch of land. If you were to take I-20 northeast towards Charlotte, Fayetteville, North Carolina, it's along the way. It's, it's, it's not far from the North Carolina-South Carolina border. 
they're very proud of their football tradition there in Marble County as well. Now, my wife, I love her like the day is long. And she can be the sweetest, most thoughtful, intelligent, calm person in the world. But there is a South Carolina switch in my wife and in her entire family, or I should say my entire family as well. Because when you marry your wife, it's well known that you marry the family as well. South Carolina folks are just a little different. They're just a little different breed. Um, Like I tell my wife, I tell her when she starts to get a little bit cray-cray, I look at her and I go, uh, hey, your Bennettsville's hanging out. Let's not have a Bennettsville moment. Because she knows exactly to what I'm referring. See, the funny thing is, is my wife's family are born and bred Gamecocks fans, actually, originally. I have since migrated my wife over to another fan base, but she was brought up on South Carolina football. And the funny thing is, is when this family decides to put their foot down and get into it, for lack of a better term, whether that's with an internal threat within the family, which is what it is most of the time, or an external threat to the family, they literally almost resemble fighting roosters, or, or I should say hens in this, in this point, because it is a, a largely matriarchal, female-dominated family. But I digress. You can see, you can see it starting. The eyes get wide. The head movements become very sharp. Those feathers start rustling. The wings come out. It's almost like they literally start clawing the dirt before they're getting into it. And you better take cover or hope that you're not the subject of the anger because those claws are coming. Now, they fight very viciously sometimes. They love very viciously as well. It's a, it's a give and a take. I'm not trying to make my family sound like some kind of crazy house. But that's what it is as far as folks from South Carolina. I, I have known several, several, several people from South Carolina. They're great folks. But they all have that common thread of they are willing to put their foot down and throw down when necessary, whether that's verbally, physically, or otherwise. When you look at the state of South Carolina itself, the region, right, it was originally settled, we're talking way back in the day, before the, the advent of college football, <laughs> it was originally settled by Scotsmen, Scots-Irish, Highlanders. These were clan-affiliated people back in Scotland and Ireland. They had those sort of clan tribal affiliations. They're, they're, very, they're very fiercely loyal, tight-knit, tribalistic type people. You know, and they, they had to live a hard and rugged life and fight and be contentious to survive and work that land that was largely at the time that they were settling it unknown. You take it a step further, about another hundred years or so. Now we're in the 1860s. Folks, I uh, don't mean to insult anybody's intelligence here. I know that we all probably took at least high school history, but I want to take a, take a crack at what was the first state to secede from the Union in the Civil War? First shots fired in the Civil War? Yep, you guessed it. The Palmetto State, South Carolina. These are folks that like to get down. They like to throw down. And so how could that not be implemented 
and imprinted deep in the DNA of these two football teams. It would touch everything else that happens from there on out, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you make that assumption? Anyway, let's get back to the present conversation. The late 1890s in Clemson and Columbia, South Carolina. And so we have this widespread sort of violence in college football that is, you know, would would make anything that happens today sort of pale in comparison. I mean, we're talking about people pulling out weapons, knives, clubs. We're talking about shootings. These things happened in the late 1890s around college football games. This was a this was a real thing. And it was uh, just sort of generally accepted that if one side was beaten badly by the other, it was some sort of disrespectful route there was going to be a fight. You need to think more London soccer hooligan style as opposed to the nice khaki shorts, polo button downs, Cole Hans on the feet, pair of croquis with your Costa Del Mars, Skyler and Chase and Tanner hanging out at the frat boy section of, you know, whatever, SEC or ACC powers playing. No, it wasn't like that. Then these people were dirty. Um, I don't mean dirty in the sense of like just being disgusting people. I mean, a lot of people were poor and destitute, hardworking folks. And their one sort of slice ray of sunshine, if you will, are the, were these teams, these institutions where they could escape reality a little bit. The reality for these people was they're living on the heels of the Reconstructionist South after post-Civil War, obviously. And it was a very hard time to live in the South, economically, socially, all of it. So these folks, you know, experienced the horrors of, of living in their situation every single day. So uh, their one escape was, was these teams. So of course they were passionate about it. Now, the first time these teams played, South Carolina and Clemson, South Carolina was known as South Carolina College. And this was in 1896. And the two teams actually had different mascots as well. I'm actually drawing this information directly from an article written by John Nallright. I hope I did his name justice. It's a it's a neat it's a it's a really quick little article. It's pretty neat, but it's one of the sources I'm using here. Academia Edu. It's called the South Carolina Clemson Football War of 1902. It's open source material, but at that time in 1896, these two teams were known by different names, respectively, as well. The South Carolina College Jaguars and the Clemson Plowboys would play each other all the way preceding this 1902 contest. Before 1902, Clemson enjoyed victory over South Carolina in every contest. In fact, in 1901... Clemson beat them by a score of 51 to nothing. And Clemson's head coach was by a man by the name of John Heisman. Yes, synonymous with the award. I would assume that he was pretty good. I believe John Heisman, legendary coach of the era, finished with a career record of 187 wins, 70 losses. Who cares about the ties? Pretty solid head football coach. 
The funny thing is, too, is coaches back then also coached other sports like baseball, basketball, etc. So well-rounded coach as well. But those are stories for another time. Either way, I digress. John Heisman is the head coach of the Clemson Plowboys. And in 1901, because Clemson enjoyed so much success on the field, and especially against their arch nemesis, the South Carolina College Jaguars, defeating them 51 to nothing, he nicknamed that 1901 Clemson team his Tiger Team. And that is a nickname that stuck. So in 1902, that was the first official year that Clemson was known as the Clemson Tigers. Also, on the other end, 1901 was also a a little bit of a special year for the South Carolina Gamecocks as well. Unfortunately, losing in that contest 51-0 to Clemson, unfortunate if you're a South Carolina fan, obviously. Their head coach, a man by the name of Byron W. Dixon in his first season, took the South Carolina College team to a 3-4 and four record in 1901. But the thing about this South Carolina College team that he really enjoyed was the way that they, they fought, their competitive nature on the field. Although it was a 3-4 and four record, and so he nicknamed that team the Gamecocks team, basically. This is, the, this is how a lot of college football teams got their – modern-day mascots, it would be a nickname given to a specific team that kind of stuck. So anyway, nicknamed this team the Gamecock team because of their willingness to fight. And so in 1902, you have the first official game between the South Carolina College Gamecocks and the Clemson Tigers. So, this 1902 contest would be played on Big Thursday. It was called Big Thursday because it it coincided with the culmination of the South Carolina State Fair week, right? And so, this was a a huge deal. This was like um, national championship, if you will, for the state of South Carolina. But this was also very much like you know, a, a fall festival atmosphere tied into it, but it, but not just not just for a, like a small operation here. This this is this was big for the time. This was the state fair. I mean, you're talking about thousands of people that would be in attendance for this game. I mean, you're talking about for the time. You're talking about f- at least five thousand folks in the stadium to watch the game. That's huge. I mean, extrapolate that by today's standards. First off, this, the population of South Carolina is not is not very big on the scale, even by today's standards versus the other 48 continental, right? And then so take it back to then. And you and you're getting 5,000 South Carolinians in the stadium to watch this game, coinciding with a gigantic state fair at the same time right and so because this game had been played since 1896 at this point so you're talking about if you know relatively seven years of dominance in this comp in this competition from clemson which by the way clemson at this time is a military service academy and this is important to the story 
because it's going to, it's, it's coming soon why this is so important. But it is a, actually a military academy at the time. As a matter of fact, Clemson owns its, or owes, I should say, its very existence to a man by the name of Benjamin Ray Tillman, or Insane Ben Tillman, as people used to call him. He was an American politician from the, at the time, Democratic Party. Served as the governor of South Carolina from 1890 through 1894. And this guy was, I mean, he was a lot of things. He was a well-known raging white supremacist. He was also an extremely volatile, kind of paramilitaristic type of guy. He, he led the South Carolina 1876 insurrection against Reconstructionist forces. So he actually appropriated funds from taxation that he put on alcohol and tobacco, high taxation rates, to found the school in Clemson and make it a military academy with the purposes of rebuilding South Carolina's military force. This guy, probably a pretty dangerous person, honestly, even by today's standards, as far as what his mindset was. His other mindset was to build Clemson, to literally strangle South Carolina College's existence in Columbia. In fact, he was quoted as saying, I want to close that little school in Columbia down to the library. So you literally have a person who founded a college with the intent to strangle the other college or the other alternative. Clemson was a juggernaut during this time because of how well-funded they were, right? It being a service academy, quote-unquote. They had a cadet population alone of 400 or so. South Carolina College at the time had 200 students in the entire student body. So it's absolutely no wonder that Clemson, led by John Heisman, who is more handsomely compensated than any of the South Carolina coaches. Actually, funny enough, the coach that would give the Gamecocks their name would no longer be coaching in 1902. Actually, Coach Bob Williams would be in his first season with the Gamecocks. So it's really, it's really a no-brainer who was dominating this, this competition. And so again, the big Thursday game coinciding with the South Carolina State Fair, it was very, it was very much a custom that the Clemson cadets, remember, 400 strong or so, would kind of malinger around the State Fair post-contest. They enjoyed doing this. Uh, and kind of rub it in the face of the South Carolina fans and the South Carolina student body uh, as, as for their victory. They would literally kind of camp out there at the fairgrounds, and their boots would be wrapped in garnet, which is a, a shade of red, and black cloth or sashes. They would wrap them around their boots so that they would drag South Carolina's colors literally through the mud, it being usually little wet and damp this time of year, literally so that they could drag those colors through the mud. That is the level of utter disrespect 
that this Clemson organization had for tiny little South Carolina. And so 1902 comes around. Clemson does what it does best. It's off to a, a really hot 5-0 and start at this point, relatively bulldozing its way through its schedule. But however, South Carolina began the season with its best ever start at 3-0 and under new coach Bob Williams. And so it was kind of setting up a classic scenario of two undefeated teams that were rivals in name only at this point, not on the scoreboard, not in the wins and loss columns of the game, but they were rivals culturally. You had two teams that looked like they were shaping up to be pretty good. And so the stage was set. You had a 5-0 and Clemson team going on to take on a 3-0 and South Carolina Gamecocks team on the big Thursday game coinciding with the state fair. I mean, this was huge at this point. These teams, you know, they were looking forward to an actually competitive game. Well, here's a funny little piece of history just to give you some context as to, you know, the sort of Wild West fashion in which sports were played back in the day. Clemson had just come off a victory at 28-0 against Furman, which is a school in South Carolina, it's a, which is a, a small school by today's standards, but by back then was actually a relative football power. 28-0. It was a shutout victory. 28-0 by today's standards is still a pretty good beatdown. You have to remember that most football contests back in those days were decided with both schools scoring less than 20 points. Usually those those low-scoring type affairs, the the 9-10, Twelves and and what have you. So twenty eight nothing was a pretty substantial beatdown. The officiating crew for this game, right, got about of dysentery, and so they had to bring in a replacement officiating crew for the game. And they still lacked a a head referee. The only thing that they could think to do was to elect Charles Roller as the head referee for the contest because he had the best understanding of football. Charles Roller, by the way, is Furman's head coach. The coach of the team that just lost 28 to nothing to Clemson, right? How do you think that went over with the Clemson population? How do you think that went over? Because even at that time, when it was sort of an acceptable thing to actually have coaches from other teams come and officiate, over games, usually it didn't come off of the heels of a 28 to nothing ass whooping, for lack of a better term. Right? I just want you to take a moment to appreciate how insane this is. This would be like Alabama and Auburn playing in the Iron Bowl, both being undefeated, a lot on the line, and Kirby Smart is the head official. Okay? That's Think about that for a moment. That's the reality they're living in at that time. So the game is played. And there's not too too much particulars of the game I want to dive into, right? But the game is played, and it is a victory for South Carolina 12-6. And, of course, it was controversial. Any call that was made in that game was examined under the microscope of fraud by the Clemson 
side of the field, right? Clemson, an undefeated team, a football power that was gobbling up its opponents, all of a sudden loses to upstart South Carolina College, this little pissant team from Columbia, 200 students in their entire institution, has now beaten us 12-6. And so not only did they think that the, the win was baloney, which I, you know, obviously I wasn't at the game, so I couldn't tell you. But not only did they find it highly suspect, but now you're talking about all kinds of interesting things like honor and manlyhood and identity that is tied to these teams. Remember, taking us back to our earlier conversation, these folks are living in an era where things are very militarily charged, right? And the loyalties to these teams go deep to their core. It's part of their identity. The game, by the way, was played on October 30th of 1902, so Halloween Eve, if you will. The immediate sort of energy after the game was obviously that of sort of silent rage. It was put out by the local police force and whatnot that the reaction to the game would have to be more subdued, so the Clemson cadets were expected to hold their military bearing, the military bearing that they were trying to develop at the time, and hold their tongue. The South Carolina side of the field celebrated raucously. (laughs) As you might imagine, beating a team for the first time. And if you know any South Carolina fans, they get pretty rowdy and raucous over any win that they get, especially an upset. Especially an upset. My sister-in-law... I'm thinking of in particular when the Gamecocks came to Sanford, Sanford Stadium in 2019 and pulled the huge upset on the then third-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. I never heard the end of it. I am a Bulldogs fan by trade. Again, that's for another time. But raucous celebration. And so fast forward to the next evening. It is the culmination of the South Carolina State Fair, and it's also Halloween. By the way, there were small, documented small altercations, tussles, verbal exchanges leading into the next day between the two fan bases that were sharing the fairgrounds. Uh, I'm sure there were plenty that were not. Again, that's speculation, but knowing what I know about people... (laughs) from South Carolina, knowing what I know about people that are passionate about their teams, college football fans. There's probably some, at at the very least, some very vehement, heated verbal discussion. The next day at the fairgrounds, this is Halloween now, the Clemson cadets are still there trying to have as good a time as they can. And someone, a shop owner in Columbia, South Carolina, makes a transparency to hang in his shop window. So this transparency is, it's, it's that of a, a game cock, right, in, in the school colors, riding a tiger that says Clemson on the side of the tiger, just in case, just in case you didn't know what they were referencing. And he has a whip in his wing, hand, whatever, and he's cracking it over the tiger's head. Now this would be the 1902 equivalent of making a meme 
if you will. It went as viral as it could in those days. People found it extremely hilarious. So the South Carolina fan base, with a couple of rowdy boys, or the rowdiest of them, decided to take the transparency out of the shop and take it down to the fairgrounds where the Clemson cadets were still residing and paraded around in front of them, basically. This didn't sit well with the Clemson cadets, and an altercation did ensue, a minor one at the time. The South Carolina kids kind of went their way back towards Columbia, and the Clemson cadets continued to reside on the fairground. But after that slight, after that little flex, if you will, by the South Carolina fan base, the Clemson cadets stir themselves into a a frenzy, basically. So they gather their traditional ceremonial sabers and bayonets, and they march. They march towards Columbia, towards the campus of South Carolina. And it's well documented they're coming because there's 400 of them. There's 400 pissed off, young, testosterone-filled, college-aged, able-bodied young men who are all training to be military men are coming with sabers and bayonets and, and whatever else. Encouraged, actually, funny enough, to go and defend the honor of Clemson. Waiting for them. Because by this time, the South Carolina populace, you know, the University of, or I should say, actually the College of, had been alerted to this movement, this little troop movement here. And roughly 29 South Carolina students congregate at a low brick wall to defend the, the city, the town strip, from these Clemson cadets. How insane is this story getting? It's a college football contest in which now you have a sizable force, several hundred militarized students armed with edged and pointed weapons marching at great speed towards these South Carolina students who are huddled behind a brick wall armed with pistols and rifles and clubs, rocks and other projectiles. This is going to get potentially nasty. Have you ever seen gangs in New York? That's kind of what I'm thinking of here. I'm thinking of a weird, insane moment in history where this contest is now fueling a college football version of Gangs of New York. Let's just call it Gangs of South Carolina, <laughs> right? And that's the sort of feel that this has to me right now as we get to getting towards what should be the climax of this story, right? So there we are. The Clemson cadets foaming at the mouth with their bayonets and their sabers on Sumter Street, actually, more specifically. Huddled behind the low wall is about 29 or so South Carolina kids. The funny thing is, is one of those kids is Ryan McKissick. This this young man was a freshman at South Carolina College, and he would actually become the University of South Carolina president later down the road. There was, a, there was a senior, an unnamed senior, uh, that told young Mr. McKissick to literally make every shot count as he thrusted a pistol in his hand. They were serious. This was going to happen. Well, this, this stirred such a commotion. The coaching staffs of both teams were alerted as to what was happening. And an assistant coach by the name of Christy Bennett, who is an assistant coach for South Carolina College, actually, He gets to the friction point of what's happening, and he puts himself basically in between 
the two factions. And he, I can only imagine what this must have looked like, but he drove his vehicle literally in between the two factions. I don't know what he was driving at the time. Model T something, <laughs> right? So he comes, he swerves up in his Model T, let's just say for shits and giggles, and he hops out and he offers a, 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 a truce or not a truce really a let's say a uh, compromise right he offers a compromise he says hey listen clemson any of your guys you pick them out you pick out anyone any one of them select your champion and fight me have him fight me here fist fight we'll throw fisticuffs we'll settle the dispute you guys win we'll uh concede defeat if you will, if I, if I whoop your boy, you guys go back to Clemson. Leave us alone. And this was actually, uh, this proposal was seriously considered, right? And so Clemson goes about trying to decide who their champion is going to be. They, they Obviously, they want their best boy to take on Coach Christy Bennett. Now, I don't know anything about Christy Bennett other than uh, this little anecdote here. But I would assume that if it bought several, several minutes, this man must have been some sort of imposing man if they're having to literally figure out who's going to fight this guy. He must have had some sort of reputation as a brawler, maybe impressive physical stature. I don't know what exactly. I'd have to do a little more deeper research here. But the concept of what I'm trying to get at here is it was a coach stepping up and being a leader, albeit an unconventional one, in that moment, in that time, in that lens of history. I think one of the craziest things that people try to do is try people of a certain historical time in the lens of today's moralities, right? A coach by today's standards that would hop out and offer to fight anybody from a fan base. I mean, literally, quite literally, right? Choose your best fan. Choose your best student take me on, we'll settle this dispute. That's insane. You see, sometimes we'll see verbal type altercations, whatnot on you know social media, but like in a very physical way, rival school going there, offering to fight your best that you can come up with to settle a college football dispute. It's, it's nuts. It's lunatic. It's insane. Wouldn't happen by today's standards, right? But at the time in 1902, that just seemed to be what was going to happen, right? And so... This buys enough time. Now, I don't know if this was his aim the entire time, but it buys enough time to where now the fire brigades of both Clemson and South Carolina and police departments, municipal police departments, if you will, local police, town police, county police, right? Any police officer within shouting distance shows up. And begins to disperse this crowd, finally. What happens is, over the course of what seems to be several hours of debate and jawing back and forth and whatnot, the two sides finally agree right there on Sumter Street to bring the transparency forward that was made and burn it, basically squash the beef. Clemson, in return, decided to quote-unquote, legitimize the victory on the football field. Stop calling it a 
controversial win, a robbery, a fluke, or what have you. Just accept the fact that the South Carolina College Gamecocks beat you. The two sides shook hands. And a celebration of sorts actually ensued. So on the backside of what could have potentially been a bloodbath on Sumter Street, had it allowed itself to escalate to that point. Instead, you get sort of a compromise and sort of a collective nod to the other side, a little show of respect and decency. It was little brother, being South Carolina Gamecocks, had finally kicked big brother's ass. Not really, a six-point victory, but had finally delivered a decisive blow to Big Brother and established his place at the table. It's, it's really a coming-of-age story for the University of South Carolina, if you will, a little bit. Clemson acknowledging that they're not the only badass on the block anymore. That beautiful rivalry that everyone in South Carolina enjoys so much is really born at this point because now we've got blood in each one of the columns. Each each team has a win. The rivalry is of course has continued to this day. We call it the Palmetto Bowl today. In fact that big Thursday game, funny enough, let me get back to that, that big Thursday game that coincided with the state fair was would be played till nineteen fifty nine before that was finally done away with. But that set the roots and the foundation for the Palmetto Bowl, the Clemson-South Carolina rivalry as we know it today. Kind of sowing the seeds between the two teams moving forward. And so if you're a Clemson fan or you're a South Carolina fan and you have never heard that story before, thank you for listening and joining me on that little journey there. If you're a college football fan, you've never heard a story like that before. I, again, thank you for joining me. I think it's just as important to take a look back to the roots of some of these programs than always looking in the present for sort of that fast food take, if you will, on why a rivalry, why a culture, why a fan base acts the way it does. I don't think that we can just say that it's just as simple as well, Clemson's winning national championships right now, just in the Clemson-South Carolina example, right? And that's why South Carolina is angry. That's why they don't like each other. One's enjoying success and the other one isn't. Guys, there have been times when both of these teams, respectfully, have enjoyed stretches of dominance over the other, right? I don't, I don't think that's really the case. Like I said, taking a look back at history and looking at these two programs and especially the war, quote-unquote, of 1902, kind of really sets the table, sets that thread, if you will, all the way forward to today, the incident in 2004. It kind of explains it better in a better context as why that would have happened. So thank you for joining me here on Any Given You. Please, if you get a moment, go ahead and leave us a five-star re- review. Begin to subscribe to the podcast. We'd love to have your patronage here. Until next time, I'm Mike Megan. Any given time, any given place, any given topic, we have it here at any given you.